Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone and welcome to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to a new episode. Now, starting school is a major milestone in a child's life. Coming closer to the start of a new semester, more children will be getting ready to start that new milestone. While some countries do have specific ages a child should start primary school, some children are more likely to hold more skills than others. Today's episode looks into the importance of an assessment on school readiness. We're joined in the studio today by child psychologist and owner of Healthy Young Minds based in Melbourne, Anne Elizabeth McGeeris. Thank you so much for joining me in the studio today. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. Now, as a psychologist, what is your role in assessing a child in their preparation for school? Um, So usually parents come to me when they're not sure if their child has the skills ready to start school. Mm -hmm. Um, So they'll be in their preschool year, Mm -hmm. um, usually aged around four to five years of age. Um, And because we have the cutoff in Victoria, so children need to be turning five by 30th of April mm-hmm. to start school that year. Yeah. Um, so we've got the cutoff, which is a good guideline, but often parents are not sure. Mm-hmm. So if their child is struggling um, socially or they're just not sure if their child is ready, mm-hmm. um, that's when they usually come for an assessment. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Now, that's such a great introduction to our topic today. Mm-hmm. Before we get discuss it even further, I would love to get to know some of your recommendations and some of your interests as well. But planning our channel's favorite game, a little icebreaker. Mm-hmm. So to start off with, what is the most recent book that you've read? Ooh, okay. That's an interesting question because <laughs> I'll start books and never finish them. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a whole uh, library of books at home. I get really excited about books. Yeah. So I'll take bits and pieces out of them. So mm-hmm. I haven't actually read a complete book lately. Okay. I'm always in the middle of a book or jumping from book to book. Yeah. Um, I'll often read things um, related to my work, so a lot of psychology-related books. Okay. Um, but yeah, to name a specific one, there is one that I'm cu- currently reading um, called The Body Keeps the Score. Okay. So that's one that I can think of. Yeah. Okay. Um, off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. So that one just about trauma and how the body um, gets trapped. Uh, sorry, how trauma gets trapped in the body. Okay. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. It's quite an interesting read. So yeah. I've just started that one. Yeah. Um, we'll see if I finish it. But <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm exactly the same as you. I will start mm. books that people recommend to me. And I think I have about four books that I'm currently reading. I yeah. haven't finished any of them, um, nor have I got halfway through finishing any of them. So I'm exactly like you. I'll yeah. literally start a book and be like, okay, this one's interesting. But also I found another one that's interesting. So yeah. no, I'm very much in the same boat. <laughs> now, what is a movie that you would recommend that our viewers watch? Oh, okay. Um so you mean related to parenting? Or? It doesn't have to be. No. So it can okay. be any movie that you feel that everyone should be watching. Okay. All right. I've seen lots of movies because I do enjoy watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So I do enjoy romantic comedies. So I'm not sure how that fits in with this topic. Oh, go for it. Yeah, I love romantic comedies. Yeah. Um, okay, so one that comes to mind is a movie called Wedding Crashes. Okay. So, yeah, yeah I've seen that multiple times. Um, yeah. I love to watch movies that make me laugh. So I guess as parents, uh, I'll probably advise, you know, watching movies that do entertain you and do make you laugh mm -hmm. so you can at least have some fun together. Yeah, yeah. I love Wedding Crashes. Yeah. I think that's, that's a movie that I think... Anytime it turns up on any of the TV channels, I'm like, okay, no, I'm stopping everything and I'm watching it. Yeah. I think that and Four Weddings and a Funeral is probably are the two similar mm. things for me. Okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, could you name a podcast that stands out to you? I haven't actually... Um listen to any podcast, to be honest. Okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> it's a new area for me. Yeah. So I think after today, I'll be definitely getting online <laughs> yeah. and searching podcasts and looking into them. Um, I mean, from my knowledge, I know they're very educational and very informative mm -hmm. um, and they've become quite popular recently. So it's yeah. something that I'll be definitely looking into yeah. after today. <laughs> yeah, no, podcasts is a very new thing. I think mm. we were talking about that before we started recording as well. It's yeah. not something that... Um, gathers the interest of a lot of people because I'm very visual mm. as well. So I have to watch something rather than just sitting there and listening to yeah. it. So podcasts that are informational but also visual for mm -hmm. me, that's what does it. Yeah. So, yeah, podcasts are a very new thing. So that's mm -hmm. no, that's all fine. Now, who's a person that you find yourself looking up to either in your professional life or your personal life? Mm. Um, I guess if we're talking sort of famous or well-known people, I, I'd probably say Serena Williams. Okay. Yeah, I think she's quite, um, as a woman um, and a mother as well, yeah. I've kind of admired her her tenacity and her sort of ferociousness to, to go for what she wants. Yeah. So she's been really good at that. And oh, yeah. um, I guess having a family as well and continuing with um, tennis. Mm -hmm. I think recently she stopped, but um, even having a family and still kind of, kind of going with her, her career. Um, yeah, I think that's quite inspirational. So balancing mm. career and motherhood. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think she's amazing, especially she doesn't really take what a lot of people say about her to mm. heart as well. Mm. I think that's a big part, like yeah. her resilience to a lot of the criticisms that she's gotten mm. and that she's still able to push through them. Yeah. It shows, shows a lot in yeah. how like she wants to be perceived in mm -hmm. the world. So that's, that's great. Mm. Yeah. Now, during your academic pursuit, what's been one course that has really stuck out to you? Um, so I've done a lot of varying courses over the years. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we need to keep up with professional development. So we're constantly doing, you know, little courses or little workshops. Yeah. Um, I guess there's one that um, I want to complete that I haven't completed, and that's in neuropsychology. Okay. So I'm interested in how the brain works. Yeah. So that's a course that I want to do, yeah. but I haven't done yet. <laughs> okay. No, I, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just doing various courses along the year. I can't name one specific course. It's been a while since I finished my actual studies. Okay, yeah. Um, but just lots of different courses related to my work okay. um, I'll take on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I think I've had a lot of neuro... Uh, neuroscientists come mm. onto the show and sort of tell us how the brain works between kids as well. So yeah. it is actually really interesting. And if I could, I would definitely study it mm. um, just as like a passion course rather yeah. than like taking it anywhere professional, mm -hmm. but just as like a passion subject, it sounds very interesting to look yeah. into. Yeah, it is. <laughs> now, we know that parenting opens up a whole lot of questions. Mm -hmm. I know that everybody has a very different definition as to what parenting is or how they 
sort of what understand what a role is of a parent. Mm-hmm. What do you think your definition of a parent is? Um, I guess for me, parenting, you know, involves obviously raising a child. So you bring a child uh, into the world. Um, mm-hmm. Therefore, you know, I feel it's our responsibility to nurture them and to, um, you know, help them grow and teach them the right mm-hmm. life skills. I guess being a parent to me involves, you know, guidance, um, support, teaching them skills and setting limits and mm-hmm. boundaries mm-hmm. Um, just so they know, you know, what's expected of them and what um, they can and can't do. Uh, that way they kind of grow into independent, uh, fully functioning adults and mm-hmm. can contribute positively to the community as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think expectant parents should be aware of during their transition into parenting? Okay. So that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'd recommend parents to read books, but you can read as many books as you want and mm-hmm. nothing really prepares you for the real thing. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, educate yourself, you know, read what you can, but at the end of the day, um, use your intuition to guide your decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause as parents, you'll have insight into your child. Like you'll know your child the best. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll know what works for them and you won't find that in the books. Um, so, and also, I guess, be prepared as a couple if you're raising a child together. Um, the dynamics of the relationship will also change. Yeah. So being aware of that and just making sure, you know, that you support each other and you stay on the same page as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking about school readiness and sort of that assessment into what what would pertain during that assessment. So what can you explain what a school readiness assessment is and why it's the topic of importance today? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good topic. Um, school readiness assessment, I guess, is a process where we measure a child's range of skills mm-hmm. um, to understand their child's developmental level mm-hmm. um, and their behaviour in order to make an informed decision as to whether or not the child is able to, to cope with the demands of for, formal schooling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important because I guess often kids could start school, um, where they're not ready and that can create a bit of stress for the child, um, for the parents. And sometimes it can impact, um, the environment in the classroom as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I guess, yeah, it's good to know if your child is ready and that way the transition is smoother from preschool to primary school. Okay. Yeah. So from a parent's perspective, from a parenting perspective, how would you define what school readiness is and how would you be ready for school? Um, So I guess from a parenting perspective, um, school readiness can mean uh, that your child is ready to cope with the demands of formal schooling Mm -hmm. um, and they're mature enough and developmentally ready to begin that next step. Okay. Um, I guess it's important because it helps a child experience success and Mm -hmm. with success comes confidence. Okay. So so as parents, you want to see your child happy and thriving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and when they achieve success and build confidence, um, they will thrive in that environment. Okay. Now for that assessment, what are some of the common methods and tools that you use to make that assessment for yourself? Um, So we use a various, like a range of tools Mm -hmm. to measure a child's development, uh, behavior and Uh their learning potential. Um, and all the tools that we use are, are, are standardized tools, which means that we can um, compare a child's skills to another child the same age and, and decide whether they're performing at their level or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess an example of a developmental profile would be measuring things like um, the physical skills, so motor skills, mm-hmm. so looking at their fine motor um, and gross motor. So uh, gross motor is basically... Um, 
like muscle groups, uh, large muscle groups, like walking, sitting, running, coordination, those kind of uh, muscle groups. And then fine motor is using the smaller muscle group, so using their fingers Mm -hmm. um, to manipulate objects like drawing, um, you know, cutting, pasting, things like that. Um, another develop, developmental area that we look at is their adaptive behavior. So mm-hmm. these are skills that they um, that help them learn and grow to adjust and cope with everyday demands, like um, you know feeding themselves, toileting themselves, okay. dressing themselves. Yeah. Another area that we look at is social emotional skills. So these are skills that help um, us relate to others, manage our emotions, um, you know, build friendships, yeah. um, have empathy. Okay. Uh, another area is cogn- cognition. Yeah. So looking at their thinking and reasoning skills. Okay. Um, you know, how they can learn and remember, yep. um, things like that. And the other area that we look at developmentally is their communication skills. Okay. So looking at, um, you know, how they use language, so how, how they express themselves mm-hmm. using words, um, and also how they understand language, so their receptive language skills. Okay. So there's so many different ways that they need to have the skills that they need, they need that a little bit earlier before school, at least to be able to manage themselves without someone else telling them this is mm. this is how you do things. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So if, you know, if a child's tracking, um, d- like, is developmentally on track mm-hmm. and there's no delays, okay, um, then there's no need to kind of focus on any developmental areas, but sometimes kids might be lagging in maybe language skills okay. or... Um, you know, they haven't been toilet trained yet. So those kind of things, uh, if it's good to know beforehand, so at least parents can then focus on those skills. Okay. Yeah, so that's a developmental area. And then we also look at intellectual skills uh, separately okay. as well. Yeah. yeah. So this is where we directly assess the child. Okay. Um, so we sit down with them and usually it's done in the second session. Okay. Um, so first session usually involves uh, the parents coming in and mm-hmm. getting that developmental history. Okay. So while we do that, um, the child is in the room, you know, having fun, just playing on the side. Yeah. And that way they get used to the environment and they get used to the person working with them. Okay. Um, but, yeah, we sit down with them in the second session and do um, direct assessments with them. Yeah. Um, just to measure their intellect. Okay. So that's a good um, indicator of their learning potential. Okay. Um, and then the other area that we look at is their behaviour. So getting like a behavioural profile. Mm-hmm. And that's often done by giving parents questionnaires. Okay. And again, it's all standardized. So getting that feedback from parents is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess in summary, we're kind of uh, assessed in three areas. So getting information from parents, mm-hmm. both in person and through questionnaires yep. and directly assessing the child as well. Okay. Yeah. So throughout that time, when's the usual time that parents would sort of approach you in sort of wanting that assessment done? Is it a little bit closer to them starting school or is it a little bit earlier? Um, I'd say it's probably usually around mid-year. Okay. Yeah, so they've had some time in preschool, in kindergarten, yeah. to kind of see how they're going. Okay. So I think by mid-year is a good time for parents to, to reach out and that's when yeah. they usually reach out. Okay. Um, occasionally we'll get parents reach out in term four it's like okay. a last minute panic and yeah. they think, yeah, so it's probably not the best time, okay. um, but we do what we can to support them. Yeah. But ideally, I'd say halfway through the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that allows the parents time to sort of feel like, okay, this is what the child needs to work on a little bit for the mm. next half of the year. This is what we can do to help that, help them sort of be a little bit better and be a bit more ready for school, I guess, as well. Yeah, definitely. It's a good time because you've got six months yep. to kind of then start focusing on the skills. Okay. And then I guess by the end of term three, you get a good idea if they are progressing and they're getting ready for school. Yeah. Um, or it could go the other way around and say, okay, they're still not 
progressing as well as we wanted them to, or okay. they still need to learn a few things. Yeah. Um, let's just wait a year. Okay. Yeah. So similar to that, if they do opt for that assessment, mm. how will they use those results to sort of guide their parenting, that their approach to parenting? Um, so I guess the results can provide valuable information. So because it gives you again a profile of the development. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing if there's any delays in their development. Mm-hmm. Um, some kids might have one delay in a specific area, and other kids we might identify that they they've got global developmental delay. Okay. Which is a delay in all the areas of development. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So if that's the case, then we might recommend further assessment mm-hmm. to see um, if they do. Um, you know, have maybe an intellectual disability and that definitely will impact them starting school. Yeah. Uh, so usually in those cases we might recommend, you know, delaying a year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so the developmental profile will give us that information. Um, and also when we measure sort of pre-academic skills and cognition, so that will flag problems in possible learning difficulties. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Or it could be just that they haven't been exposed to literacy or numeracy, so they just need a bit of practice. Okay. Yeah. Um, so at least it'll identify kids who might be at risk of some reading problems or kids who just need that extra, um, ex- like, um, exposure to, to literacy and numeracy. Okay. Um, so I guess whatever the outcome is, it, it kind of provides parents like a, a framework to, okay, what do we do next? Yeah. So, um, that they either might just need to practice some things at home and just kind of get them ready because a child hasn't been exposed to that skill yet or hasn't had the opportunity to practice. Okay. Or it could be that they need further uh, assessment. Yeah. Or it could be that they need further um, intervention, so specific school readiness programs, for example. Okay. So, oh, so they have those programs? There are some school readiness programs out uh, there. Okay. Yeah. And they usually run, I think, term three and term four. Okay. Yeah. So there is that sort of support for parents who don't know how to, mm. how to sort of train a child even further than what they already know. Yeah, yeah, there okay. is. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That's mm. At least that's a lot help. That's really helpful for a lot of parents mm. who sort of just in that rut of like, okay, I've done what I can. Mm. I don't know what else I can do to improve. That yeah. sort of like adds that ability to help as well. Definitely, yeah. So what are some of the benefits of identifying a lot of those um, skills and a lot of the lack of skills at an early age? Um, so I'm, I'm sort of, I'm very keen on early intervention. Okay. So I feel like the earlier you identify a difficulty or a problem, um, um, the better it is to intervene. So it just Mm -hmm. gives a child more of a a better start. Okay. So it gives them those foundation skills to kind of move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So the earlier it's identified, the better. And that way the child gets that right support that they need. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, some parents might worry that those assessments will create the unnecessary pressure for a child. How can they address these concerns while still valuing the importance of the assessment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question because I often um, yeah, hear parents say that they're, they're not sure if the child's going to have fun or they might yeah. get um, you know nervous or scared or they're not sure what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that we sort of gather information via three avenues is mm-hmm. is helpful and it kind of relieves the pressure off the child. Okay. So speaking to the parents, like I mentioned, and doing the um, the questionnaires as well. Um, and then when the child does work with us, so they've kind of spent some time in the room. Yeah. So they're yeah. not, yeah, they're familiar with it, mm-hmm. um, with the person and with the room. So that helps a lot. And, and I guess when we do sit with a child, 
Uh, we don't force them to do anything. Okay. So we present the activity, you know, we hope that they respond and we get some, yep. you know, responses from them. Okay. Um, but even if they don't, that kind of gives us some valuable information as well uh, in how okay. they handle, you know, sitting down, sustaining their focus, yep. um, being asked questions, uh, those kind of things. Okay. So either way, we still get some good information. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good way of sort of doing it rather than forcing a child, just sort of let them mm. see how their autonomy sort of figures things out yeah. whether they want to react the way that we're wanting them to react mm. or whether it's a completely different reaction. Yeah, yeah. And I've had children that will start responding to the tasks. Yeah. So I'd complete, say, one out of two, out of three. Mm-hmm. And okay. then I get to the second one. It's like, oh, they're starting to kind of think, oh, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. And yeah. by the third one, they're like, nah, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do my own thing now. Okay. <laughs> So we don't get the complete result, but uh-huh. we get partial results. Okay. But it still tells us some good information that they probably don't like to sit down for too long and, and do some work or they okay. don't like to be asked too many questions and, yeah. Okay. So either way it's valuable. So it's very helpful yeah. with the behavioural part to it, I guess, as well, where it sort mm. of assesses how they'll react in a classroom, how they react with a whole bunch of other kids as well, not just themselves. Because I know, like, especially when I was younger being the oldest was the first one sort of sent out Mm. into school that first grade I think I remember just not knowing how to respond because I was a very quiet child Mm. so I don't know how to respond to things I don't know how to go up to a person and say go up to another child and be like okay do you want to do this Mm. so yeah it was um it's funny that I remember back then that first grade but yeah it was uh like that's probably really telling as well as sort of like mm. how they respond socially as well. Mm. And that's important as well, isn't it? How they would respond to other kids and mm. things like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Even just coming into the office, like how they respond to a new person, okay. a new environment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how can parents become more aware of the factors that sort of contribute to their child's school readiness? Um, I guess the best thing is to kind of observe uh, your child and kind of know, you know, understand their strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So being educated around what skills your child needs as well to start school, that's Mm -hmm. that's also helpful. Um, You know, talking to your child's preschool teacher. Okay. um, That's important because they've spent a lot of time with your child in a different environment that Mm -hmm. sort of simulates a classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, So they'll usually have some great insight into what your child can and can't do, um, what they're struggling with. Okay. Um, yeah. And look, there's also, you know, there's a lot of checklists and books available as well. So one of my favorite books on starting school is actually called Starting School uh, by Sue Byrne. Okay. Yeah. I find that really easy read and very sort of straightforward. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good one for parents. Um, and there's also a, a school readiness checklist that I refer to. Okay. And that was developed by Listen In Language and Learning. Okay. Um, so that kind of covers different uh, areas like communication, adaptive skills, social skills. Um, so that's a really good one for parents if they wanted to just use a checklist as well. Mm-hmm. So I think just being educated around what's out there, what can I use that's helpful. Um, it can be a bit overwhelming because there can be a lot of information out there on the internet. Yeah. So that's why I've kind of um, just referenced those two sources. Okay. So, you know, starting with the checklist is good, but if you want to go deeper because some parents really want to get into it, yep. then go for the book. Okay. Yeah. So that checklist is basically it can be used for parents to just sort of like observe how their child sort of reacts. So they can do their own sort of mm. assessment 
as well if that's the case. Yeah, definitely. So they can tick the boxes and then they'll see a, a profile and a pattern and okay. they might notice that their child socially is really strong, but then academically they, they haven't been exposed to, to reading or, or writing or things like that. Okay. So that um, checklist can give them at least a starting point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, what foundational skills and qualities should parents focus on to ensure their child starts school on the right foot? Okay, uh, great question. So um, I'm thinking of three foundational skills. Okay. So social skills yep. um, uh, is number one, um, educational abilities and independent skills. Okay. Yeah. So if we break them down, so socially, you know, looking to see if your child can mix with other kids, um, if they can share, take turns, if they can handle, you know, extended periods um, of time away from their parents, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and if they can go to preschool or to parties without tears, Okay. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so regarding educational abilities, you know, seeing if your child can, can count using their fingers, um, if they can hold a pencil to write their name. Okay. Uh, we don't expect them to write their name. Often a lot do. Yeah. Uh, but at least attempting to write their name. Okay. Um, you know, speaking in full sentences rather than two or three word phrases. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, making sure or, or seeing if their speech is understandable. So, um so people can understand them and also remembering parts of books and sort of retelling stories. Okay. Yeah. Knowing the alphabet is also another thing. Shapes, colors. Um, yeah. So they're all the sort of educational skills that, that are helpful to, to, to know. Okay. Um, so regarding independent skills, so seeing if your child can use a toilet, if mm-hmm. they can dress themselves, because mm-hmm. they'll be doing all that at school. So yep. they'll be expected to do that. Um, you know, using their hands to kind of, you know, use scissors and cut and paste. Okay. Um, being able to sort of open snack box as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. But it depends because I know some snack boxes are like adult proof as well. Yeah. So... <laughs> I won't focus too much on that one. Um, but, yeah, as long as I try and it's, um, yeah, not too difficult. Okay. Um, you know, following simple instructions and up to two instructions at once. You know, things okay. like, you know, put your bag away and um, bring me your pencil case or just things like that. Okay. Uh, and being able to sustain their focus for at least 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. There's a lot of skills that there a are. child needs to sort of have pre going to school. I think mm. a lot of it's more independent skills. Yes. A lot of it is like making sure that, okay, they can react like how an adult could sort of react mm. yeah. to things. So. Yeah. And I think the independent skills are probably the easiest ones to teach. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as parents, we often try to do everything for our kids and we forget <laughs> that they can do things. And yep. um, we need to sort of take a, a step back and let them try things and let them, yeah, yeah, do things on their own because it makes them feel good as well. Yeah, no, yeah. that's true. Mm. I think especially going to the bathroom, like you can go to the bathroom by themselves. That's a big, big tell. Yeah. Especially for grade one where like usually they would go to the bathroom by themselves. So that would be one of the greatest things to sort of be aware of, I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So going to some of the challenges what are some of the common challenges that parents might face when sort of preparing their child for school? Um, I guess if you're referring to challenges that the child may face, so things like, um, I guess, looking out for red flags as a parent. Okay. Um, so things like, you know, if your child gets easily frustrated. Okay. Um, you know, when expectations are placed on them, that's a bit of a red flag, um, something to sort of focus on. Uh, struggling to follow instructions in daily activities. Mm-hmm. 
that might be another struggle. Um, like we said before, relying on parents to to do things like dressing themselves or feeding okay. them and, yeah, toileting. Yeah. Um, you're struggling to attend to tasks for, for long periods of time, at least 15 minutes or so. Um, you know, if they're a bit socially immature, that's another sort of concern and a challenge. Mm. Having poor language skills, that will be another thing as well. So being aware of, um, I guess, their, their language abilities and also um, just their interest in, in literacy and books and okay. sitting down and learning, yeah. Some kids are not very interested in that. Yeah. Um, and that can be a challenge because if they're not interested in something, it's hard to then try and sort of teach them or expose them to it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so if parents notice, I guess, any of these kind of red flags or challenges, that's probably where um, some extra support will be helpful. So whether getting the school readiness assessment or speaking okay. to the schools, to their primary school, sorry, their free school teacher yeah. um, to see what they think as well. Okay. And at least then they can sort of start moving forward and get the the, the right support for their child. Mm -hmm. I think the book one would be really fascinating because a lot of kids, especially nowadays, grow mm. up on like technology, grow up on like the iPad generation. Mm. So books, like I don't see a lot of my little cousins reading books nowadays. A lot of them are now focusing on the iPad. I was like, oh, I'm going to watch random show. They can put up Netflix mm. on the iPad very quickly, mm. but they cannot sit down and just read a book and just focus on that because that's not what they, that's not what their everyday life mm. sort of focuses around. Mm. So I guess that would be really interesting to sort of see how they would react to being read to or reading mm. a book or focusing on that. So. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's where I think parents um can sort of jump in and like even start earlier for as uh, as a baby. Yeah. Um, you know, read books to them so they get used to sitting down and listening. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I find a lot of parents who do sort of read f to their child from a young age, um, they're more able to sort of sit through when I read to them mm -hmm. or sit down with a book with them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the children who haven't been exposed to that from a young age, they and they're not interested, yeah. they'll just walk away and, they've yeah, they'll do something else. Okay. Yeah. Wow, you never really thought about that as training a child mm. at an early age to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. So you never really thought about it as like cognitive skills and just mm. being sitting, sitting down and settling. You always thought like, okay, I'm going to read a book to sort of pass the time with the with the child or yeah. hanging out with the child. Mm. Never like, okay, I'm going to train you to be to be able to sit still. <laughs> yeah, in a way that kind of sounds like that. That's right. Yeah. Um, but it teaches them a whole range of skills. So it introduces them to language. Okay. Um, so, you know, the expressive language, receptive language. Um, like you said, seeing, being able to sit still and yeah. focus yeah. and just even having that that um, quality time with the parent, yeah, that's also a, a bonus as well. It's probably why I don't sit down and read books now. <laughs> <laughs> now, working with a lot of teachers, how can parents sort of collaborate with a teacher to enhance their child's readiness for school? Mm. So I think it's important if your child is in their final year of preschool, so four-year-old kindergarten, for example, mm -hmm. um, you know, touch base with the teacher on a regular basis. So at least once a term. Okay. Um, at the beginning, obviously, it's a, it's a new thing. So they might need a bit of time to, to settle in. So mm -hmm. give them, you know, a month or so. Um, but I'd say in term two, so definitely before the end of ten, term two, so okay. halfway through the year, mm -hmm. uh, the teacher and yourself will have a good idea of, of how your child is, is going. Okay. Um, and if they're progressing and if they're not progressing, like why aren't they progressing? Mm -hmm. And what do they need to learn to sort of be ready for school? Okay. Um, so just touching base with the teacher 
uh, yeah, at least once a term. Mm-hmm. And if your child has additional needs, then obviously you probably need to have more um, regular meetings with the teacher. Okay. Just to stay on top of things. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a chance that a child can sort of get not asked to be held back, but sort of advised that they need to stay back a year in mm. order to sort of build their skills up a little bit more to be able to go to school. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there are some kids and it depends on um, their date of birth as well. Oh, okay. So we've got yep. the cutoff and then we've got the date of birth and then we've got the genders as well, which makes a difference. Yes. Um, girls okay. are usually a bit more um, socially mature than, than boys. Okay. Um, so if you have a boy and a girl that are sort of born just before April 30, mm-hmm. um, it's more likely that the girl will sort of continue and start school the year after. Okay. Because um, I've had parents who, you know, have a boy who's kind of close to that cutoff yep. and not sure what to do. Okay. Um, so that can be a bit tricky. So that's where I think if you do an assessment, at least you kind of look at all the areas and then the parents can then make an informed decision as to whether the child is ready to start school okay. or not. Yeah. Okay. Now, what are some advice that you can offer parents who want to ensure their child are sort of even more prepared for school? Um, I guess the main thing is keep in touch with a preschool teacher mm-hmm. and don't wait till the end of the year because I know sometimes the whole year can pass and then yep. and then sometimes even the teacher might bring up a concern in term four. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, don't wait till the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So start from the beginning, term one. Okay. Um, and just see how your child is progressing at kinder. Mm-hmm. So you'll get a good gauge as to whether... You know, if they're, if they're improving and they're learning and they're starting to become more, um, you know, settled, okay. uh, following instructions better. So you can see progress. Yeah. Then that's a good sign. Okay. Um, yeah. So always stay in touch with the teacher. I think that's important. Um, and if you're not sure or if you don't agree with the teacher's observations, because sometimes that happens, um, then, yes, yeah, see a child psychologist and get a full assessment. Okay. Um you know, like we mentioned before, it's not a scary process. Yeah. It's if it's it's unknown to a lot of people, so it might sound a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But as we mentioned before, it's it's not um, that scary at all. And um, I guess from the from then on, it's just then knowing, okay, I've got a plan now. I know where my child is at. Mm-hmm. At least I can start moving forward. Okay. And um, yeah, that can help parents at least prepare their child for school, whether okay. it's that year or the year after. Okay. And now we're on our practice and habit part of the show, where it's talking about some of the practice that you do or that you would recommend. So what's a practice practice that you would recommend to our viewers for people to sort of maximize their child's readiness for school? Um, so the main thing that kind of pops to my mind is sort of building your child's resilience. Okay. Um, so they can cope with the challenges and expectations of starting school. Okay. Um, so little things like teaching them to be flexible, for example, because things often change. Mm-hmm. Um, so if a child gets stuck on something, it's hard for them to move on. Then that makes it more tricky for them to, okay. to cope. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so being able to adapt so teaching them those skills, um, you know, teaching them to problem solve. So, you know, if, if this happens, what can you do? Mm-hmm. So having those tools, um, and also managing their emotions. That's a really big one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that emotion regulation is the the buzz term at the moment. So knowing how to, you know, label your emotions appropriately, mm-hmm. um, you know, not let your big emotions get out of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're important things that I'd recommend for parents to at least start teaching their children from an early age. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
So I'd also recommend building your child's independence as well by encouraging them to do things on their own. Okay. So little things that you find easy to do as parents, you just want to get it done quickly. Yeah. Um, But just take an extra minute or so and let the child do it and let them try. Yeah. So even packing their own bag, feeding themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to put on their jumper, whatever it is. Um, Yeah, start encouraging them to do things on their own. Okay. Because that will build their confidence. Yeah. Yeah. and that will just help them be become more successful as well. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. guess like, for example, baking, if you're baking something together, then sort of let them be a part of the process rather than sit there and observe and you doing all the work. So sort of, even if mm-hmm. like, because I think a lot of parents when it comes to baking, for example, a lot of them want to avoid the mess that can, the kids can sort of mm-hmm. learn. And we, we've seen a lot of videos. Um, I've seen a lot of videos as well of a lot of kids putting the flour in and suddenly like the flour is going everywhere along the bench so I guess it's sort of just allowing a child to be able to make that mess and figure out what to do afterwards as Mm. well yeah definitely yeah Mm because as parents you do kind of get caught up in keeping things clean yeah (laughs) keeping things running smoothly Mm -hmm. Uh, and we forget that the child can benefit from practicing those skills okay and making a mess and you know making mistakes um so yeah as parents you know just remind yourselves like take a step back it's Mm -hmm. okay it's just a bit of mess (laughs) (laughs) yeah again those um the resilient skills you know it's you know might take an extra minute to clean up but at least the child is learning some skills during that time Mm -hmm. um and just feeling more yeah confident within themselves that they can do things as well Mm -hmm. yeah and how often would you recommend sort of setting up that time or setting up that practice of trying to teach them to be resilient? Mm. I guess that can happen on a daily basis because okay. there'll always be some kind of um, opportunities that come up yeah. during the day. Yeah. So any opportunity that comes up is a teachable moment. Okay. So, yeah, so you just have to kind of look out for them and be aware of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the moment, that's the best time to teach. And then I guess at the end of the day, if, you know, opportunities haven't come up during during the day, for example, mm-hmm. then speaking at bedtime, reflecting on the day, and then yeah. with that reflection, something might come up and then you can talk about, okay, you know, what can we do next time to make it better or um, sort of problem solve that way as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And how do you think that this practice impacts parenting, impacts a lot of the ways that parents would sort of parent their child? Uh, so, yeah, so I guess it, it would have a positive positive impact on parenting Yeah. because you're teaching your child some like real essential life skills mm-hmm. that they can use throughout their life. Okay. Um, so you're giving them that sort of foundation to, to, to move forward. Um, also by doing that, you're kind of strengthening your relationship with your child as well, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the cornerstone of parenting. So with a yeah. strong relationship, then everything else comes a little bit easier. Okay. Yeah. And this moves on really easily to our open mic section of the show. So this gives you a chance to talk about something that you're passionate about. You could promote something that you want to talk about as well. We've had a lot of people talk about so many different topics. So whatever comes to your mind that you want to share with our audience today, then I'll give you in the next minute or so where you get to have that space to be able to talk about something that's on your mind. Mm. Okay. That's good because something comes to mind straight away (laughs) and I'm thinking of parenting in terms of parent burnout. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I see a lot of parents um, 
who, you know, they're so committed to supporting their child and they're so invested in that. And mm-hmm. that, that takes up a lot of their time, which is great. Yeah. Um, they're doing the right thing. They're being fantastic parents. Um, but they're kind of neglecting themselves as well. So that self-care as a parent is mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just reminding parents to be mindful that um, it's good that you're putting all this energy into supporting your child, mm-hmm. but you don't want to... Um, burn out at the end of it. Yeah. Um, so just being careful to look after yourself. So I'd recommend parents find a hobby, mm-hmm. which is something I did at the start of this year. Okay. So, yeah, I found a hobby. Um, I needed something to kind of fill up my time. So I came across salsa dancing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've always loved dancing. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up in a Greek family, uh, I did a lot of Greek dancing. Yeah. Um, and more recently I wanted to find another form of dancing that I liked. Okay. So I tried a few different ones. And then when I came across salsa dancing, yeah, it just, I fell in love with it. Yeah. So as a parent, that's kind of helped me balance things as well. Cause it's made me happier. Mm-hmm. It helps deal with stress. Yeah. Um, it's very social as well. So you get to meet a lot of people and make new friends. Yeah. So I'd recommend for parents to find something that you love, mm-hmm. like try a hobby, try different things, um, have that time for yourself as well. Cause that's quite important. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do that, then at least it's more likely that you'll be more relaxed, more happier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even your parenting might, you know, just improve that little bit as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's, so. that's a, such a cool hobby to be able to take on. Mm. I think dancing is such a, it's an element that we usually forget until music comes on and we're like, we don't really take it seriously. Mm. But dancing is like well, probably one of the best ways to relieve stress. Mm-hmm. And to relieve a lot of those. So salsa dancing sounds incredible hobby to take on. Mm-hmm. No, and I do, like, when talking about parental burnt out, I have I have a lot of guests talk about that as well when it comes to this section. And mm-hmm. it's such a popular thing that we don't really hear about that often. Or we don't really talk about that often. So it's so good to be able to just share it. And mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing that as well. I think it's such a great, um, great way to sort of sum up the show and sort of bring parents a little bit of ease into finding their own hobby and inspiring them to find their own hobby as well. Mm. So thank you so much and for joining me on the show today. Um, If there's a way audience members would like to get in touch with you to either ask questions that I've missed or just to uh, explore further into what school readiness is, is there a way that they are able to get in contact with you? Um, Yeah, I guess email is probably the easiest way (laughs) and the more efficient way. Yeah. So... My email address, yeah, yeah, is yeah. annelizabeth 3 k at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the easiest way. Um, yeah, I guess because I've kind of got a lot going on. So yeah. emails for me, okay. I definitely respond. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. we'll definitely have your website for your um, for Healthy Young Minds as well for people to be able to check out and mm. uh, maybe book appointments or maybe inquire a little bit further for uh, school readiness package or sort of talk Mm. about that a little bit more so yeah we'll have both of those links down below for our audience to get in touch Mm. in any way that they if they wish to ask questions or maybe look into healthy young minds a little bit more as well that's so great so thank you so much and for joining me on the show today it's been amazing talking about this and sort of learning a lot more about the assessment process is really great to know that we have that kind of support for parents to be able to say, okay, I can just help ask someone for help and find easier ways to ask people for help as well. So thank you so much for joining me on the show. You're welcome. It was great being here. Thank you. Yeah, well, so good, guys, to get to talk about this. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. I'll see you all in the next episode. 
You've been listening to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights Podcast, produced by the Parenting Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people find it so that we can grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pa.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent. Thanks for tuning in.